Bibles, please, this morning and turn them with me to Romans chapter number 13. What a blessing that was to be able to worship this morning the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know what I'm thankful for? That we can freely worship the Lord, whether we're using hymn songs to worship Him or we're using the new worship songs to worship Him. Aren't you thankful for that? We uh, sang those powerful hymn songs this morning, and I love the hymn songs, and uh, that's all well and good, but... Man, I love the new worship songs too. As long as we're lifting up Jesus, I mean, that's what worship is all about. It's not about the style of music. It's about the presence of the Lord. And uh, I am so very thankful that um, we have freedom in worship right here in this place. What a blessing it is. This morning, I want to talk to you about sounding the alarm. Sounding the alarm. We're going to look at Romans chapter 13, and we're going to look at 11 through 14. So everybody start there in verse number 11, and let's read together. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off, everybody say cast off. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. I love that. Let us walk honestly, he says, as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Then he says in verse 14, watch this. I love this verse. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's pray together. Father God, we do love you. Lord, I'm so thankful this morning for your presence in this place. Lord, I'm thankful for the people that are here. And God, I know that no one is here by accident, but you have us all here for a reason. And I'm asking now in Jesus' name that you work in the lives of these people like only you can do. That you speak to hearts and you change lives. Father God, I'm praying this morning you have your way and will in these services, Lord, for it's not about us. Lord, today's all about you. Thank you, Lord, for your power. Thank you for your presence. And I'm asking now that you speak to me and speak through me. And Lord, today, may we sound the alarm for the truth that we find in your word. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. Yesterday morning at about 11 o'clock, I went out to the, uh, to the gym that I use in town, out to Ideal Fitness, and, uh, and worked out yesterday morning. And as I was leaving, um, something happened to me that um, I want to tell you about this morning. And as most of you know, the gym out town at Ideal Fitness is right across the road from the... Uh, from the fire station. And so I went in and done my thing there in the gym, and then I came back out, and as I walked out the door, um, there was a sound that sent a shiver up my spine. I'm telling you, have you ever been in one of those places where you weren't expecting something, and something happens all of a sudden, and you know you need to run, but your feet won't let you? And that's kind of where I was. Man, I walked out the door, and about the time I walked out the door, one of our firemen, Colby Wigginton, was pulling up to the uh, stop sign across the road, and, and the truck was facing the gym there. And as soon as I walked out, he pulled up, and without me even knowing he was there, he set off the siren on that fire truck. And man, it was loud, and I'm telling you, it just pierced my ears, and I was in one of those situations where I needed, no, I needed to run, but uh, my feet wouldn't let me. And I, I probably jumped waist high, and I was sitting there running in place for a minute. I looked over at him, and he's just dying laughing, sitting in that truck across the road. And I found out later on in the day what was, what was taking place. At about 
um, 11 30 12 o'clock uh, yesterday there was a fire that they were going to brother Eric told me that last night and so the reason for sounding the alarm the reason for the siren uh, yesterday morning was so that everyone might know there was an emergency situation amen and that they needed to be at a place right then I mean they were on their way to take care of the business that needed taken care of now this morning my purpose and what we're going to be looking at in this text in Romans chapter 13, is to sound the alarm. It's to let all of us know that we are to be what God has called us to believe to be if you're a believer this morning. If you've been born again, how many of you know God has saved you for a purpose? How many of you know that just like the scripture says, it is high time that we awake out of the sleep that we are in and we start being what we've been saved to be. We start accomplishing <clears throat> the plan and purpose that God has for each and every one of us. Paul makes it plain here uh, that it's time we wake up. Now, folks, let me tell you what I believe. I've told you this before, and I I'll keep saying it because it's what God's Word teaches. The Bible tells us there's enough power in the church to change the world. Now, if you believe that this morning, say amen. amen. Now, why do we believe that? We believe that because God's Word teaches it. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church, that we are his body, his hands, his feet here upon this earth. And the Bible says in Ephesians 1, 23, that um, all the fullness of Christ dwells in his body. That means the power of Jesus dwells in us. If you believe it this morning, say amen. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The power of God works in us, works on us, and works through us to accomplish His goodwill and purpose. So I can promise you this morning, there is certainly enough power in the church to change the world. The power of Christ dwells in us. Now my only problem is, if that's true, then why isn't the world being changed? If that's true, then, then why are we not seeing culture change to be what God wants it to be? If that's true, why do we see the steady decline in morality that we're seeing in our world today? Well, let me tell you what I believe is happening. I believe the church is a giant. Amen? Again, it has the power to change the world through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. But it's a sleeping giant. And I want you to know that as long as a giant is asleep, its power will never be realized. And so the Apostle Paul, through this scripture that we read this morning, he's sounding the alarm. He's letting us know we are in an emergency situation. How many of you believe that today? You don't have to look far, far to see it. You don't have to look far to realize that our world is in a mess. Pick up your newspaper. Turn on your television. Walk out your front door in the morning. Go to work tomorrow. You're going to find our world is in dire need of the power of God, and it's time the church wakes up. What we must do, what we have to do, is find out what time it is according to God's clock. Amen? In verse number 13, or excuse me, verse number 11 of chapter number 13, it says, knowing the time. What time is it on God's clock? Well, it's time we wake up, number one. It's time we wake up from the sleep that we are in. As long as we sleep in the pew, people are dying and going to hell each and every day. As long as we sleep in the pew, 
The world that our kids and our grandkids are going to grow up in is going to hell in a handbasket. Can you say amen to that? As long as we're asleep in the pew, the country that was founded on the principles of the Word of God is slowly but surely um, being done away with. And so we must wake up. It's time to wake up. That's number one. Number two, listen, it's probably later than what we think it is, amen, according to God's clock. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, folks, Jesus said it like this. In John chapter 9 and verse number 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of my Father while it is day. For the night comes when no man can work. How many of you understand this morning, Jesus knew it full well, that he only had a certain amount of time upon this earth to fulfill the Father's purpose. Now, if Jesus knew that, and it was true for him, don't you know it's true for us? We only have a certain amount of time to serve Christ, and to fulfill the purpose that God has called us to. And so we need to be about the business of the Lord. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse number 14 that our life is but a vapor, that we're here one minute and we're gone the next. Folks, do you know our last five minutes might have been our last five minutes? We are not promised our next breath. And so while we are here, while we still have breath in our lungs, as the people of God we must be about the business of the Lord. It's time we wake up because I fear that it's later on God's clock than what we even realize. Now, <coughs> excuse me, still trying to get over this old cold, but Vance Havner said something when speaking about the condition of the world that I want to share with you this morning. We'll talk a little bit about that. Then I've got three things I want to share with you. He said, um, according to the condition of the world, there is anarchy in the world, apostasy in the church, watch this now, and apathy in the pew. I love that. Now that brother said that years ago. He's a preacher from years gone by. But if there's ever been a prophet, he was one. If there's ever been a prophetic statement, that is one. There is apostasy or anarchy in the world, apostasy in the church, and apathy in the pew in the day in which we live. Anarchy is a state of disorder due to unrecognition of authority. Now, how many of you know God is the supreme authority? But in, in, in today's world, the authority of God is not being recognized. The, the Isaiah said it like this. He said in Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Now, how many of you know we, we are living in a world today where men are calling good evil and evil good. I mean, that's everywhere. We see it all over the place. Let me give you just a few examples. How many of you know we live in a world where a Christian baker living in Colorado can lose his business simply because he refuses to bake a cake for a same-sex couple? That's the world we're living in. That happened in 2012. And folks, we need not keep our... I head in the sand and, and, and keep sleeping in the pew and thinking everything is okay because it's not. It's time that we wake up. How do you know we live in a time when there are billions upon billions of pornographic websites on the internet? Let me give you some statistics that I found this week. In 2015, there were more than 2 billion searches for pornography on the web. Do you think that's went up or went down since 2015? I don't have the statistics according to Barna Research, but I do believe it's probably went up knowing the condition of our culture today, the condition of our society. 20% of all searches on mobile devices are pornography related. 20% of them. 90% of boys and 60% of girls are exposed to pornography by the age of 16. I want you to think about that. Listen to this. 
56% of divorces involve spouses who have an obsessive interest in pornography. This is a problem that plagues our world. Folks, it's time we wake up in the church. Now, I want to share something with you. Whatever you have a problem with, God's grace is enough. Whatever you struggle with, Jesus is able to deliver you. Can you say amen? But we've got to call a problem what it is. It's a problem. We've got to deal with it. We've got to wake up and start being what God wants us to be if we're going to change the anarchy in the world. We live in a time in this country where 1.6 million babies are aborted every year. Think about that. Let that sink in. 1.6 million babies will be killed in the womb this year. I've done the math. That's 4,383 babies a day. That's 183 babies per hour. That's three per minute. That means the time that it's given me to give you this statistic, um, three babies have lost their life. Killed in the womb. Now not only are we uh, saying it's okay to abort babies, we are also doing partial birth abortions. Where the babies are partially born from the womb and then ripped limb from limb. How do we know that? We've got video to prove it. In the last two years, the, the Planned Parenthood videos have come out and we've seen uh, just how cruel, just how evil these practices are. Folks, there ought to be outrage in the streets. Why is there not? I'm afraid because we're asleep. We're slumbering in the pew while the world is going to hell in the handbasket. Again, let me say, God's grace is enough. If you're here today and you believe the lie of the enemy and you've uh, aborted a baby, I want you to know God, there is forgiveness for all of us. Can you say amen? amen? God loves you. God's grace is available for you. But we must see where we are. We got to see we're in a time of great emergency. Not only is there anarchy in the world, but there are also apostasy in the church. There was a study done by the Baptist Press newspaper in November of 2005. They were studying the growth patterns of Southern Baptist churches, and this is what they found. There are over 42,000 Southern Baptist churches in the United States of America right now. I want you to think about that now. 42,000 Southern Baptist churches, like this one, all over this country. That's more than it's ever been before. That's not counting Methodist churches and uh, Pentecostal churches and non-denominational churches. That's just Southern Baptist churches. My point is this. There are more churches in our, in our country today than ever before. and We're in the worst shape we've ever been in. Now, why is that? Well, the church is asleep. That's why Paul gave that warning then. That's why he's, we're giving it this morning. How many know God's word is real and it's relevant for us today? 42,000 Southern Baptist churches. But how many, listen to this. In 2005, only 70% of them, 70% showed no signs of growth. Now, let me give you the criteria by which they did the study. It was whether the church had baptized anyone in the last five years. 42,000 Southern Baptist churches and 70% of them had not baptized anybody. In five years prior to the study. 
Folks, think about that just a minute. If nobody's getting baptized, that means nobody's getting saved. And we wonder why the, the world's in the shape that it's in. There's enough power in the church to change the world, but we've got to be what God has called us to be. We've got to be about the business of preaching the gospel, sharing the love of Jesus, and showing the love of Jesus. Amen? We must. Of the 42,000 Southern Baptist churches, 13,000 of them were actually growing. That means 29,000 of them had not baptized anybody in five years. There is anarchy in the world. There's no doubt about that. There is apostasy in the church. I'm going to tell you there's apathy in the pew. When's the last time you really got concerned about a lost loved one? When's the last time your heart was broken over the condition we see our society in this day and time? It's time that we wake up. These things should burden us. These things should bother us. These things that we've talked about this morning ought to motivate us to action. Walking in the power of God. Being what God wants us to be. Calling out to heaven for mercy. And asking God to do what only He can do in our land. There's three things I want us to see that Paul tells them that apply to us this morning. First of all, in verse number 11, he says, wake up. It's high time that we awaken out of our sleep. For our salvation is nearer than when we believe. Folks, how many of you know this? Listen, there's a lot of things we're going to do in heaven. But one thing we know we're not going to do in heaven is win anybody for Jesus. Ain't going to be any soul winning in heaven. If there's going to be any soul winning done, it's going to be done right now. And so what we must do is wake up and start being about the business of, of making disciples. Sharing the gospel and teaching others what it means to follow Jesus. Amen? So first of all, he says in verse number 11, to wake up. But then he says something else. Not only are we supposed to wake up, he says clean up. Look what he says there in verse number 12. Listen how the Bible puts it. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast all the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. He wants us as the people of God to clean up. Folks, it's a sad day when the church looks more like the world than the world looks like the church. And that's what we, where we find ourselves. There needs to be a distinction between how we live and how a lost and dying world lives. Not that we're any better, we're just forgiven. Not that we're a cut above, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all need Jesus, but because we know Jesus, we do things differently. We make different decisions. We speak differently. We act differently. Can you say amen to that? That's, the, that's, the, that's, that's what we must see. We cast off the works of darkness. He gives us six things here. Six things in twos. All right? And he says, first of all, <clears throat> let us walk honestly as in the day. Well, he says, not in rioting or drunkenness. Now, the word rioting there means carousing. And we all know what drunkenness means. Let me read to you something Dr. Warren Wiersbe says about rioting and drunkenness, carousing and drunkenness. He says, carousing and drunkenness are what is keeping the nightclubs in business. <laughs> carousing and drunkenness is what's keeping the nightclubs and the taverns and the casinos 
in business. And so what Paul is saying is this. He said we, should, we as believers should not have any part of that lifestyle. We're to leave that alone. That's not for us. And we're to cast off those works of darkness. Then he says something else. He says not only rioting and junk, drunkenness, but he says chambering and wantonness. What does it mean when he says chambering? It's an old English word that's not used very much today, but what it's talking about is sexual immorality. And he says sexual immorality with wantonness. What is wantonness? It's shamelessness. Not shamefulness. It's shamelessness. That means they're walking in sexual immorality, but they're not shameful about it. See, like I said before, folks, I want you to know, whatever you find yourself in today, whatever sin you have a problem with today, I want you to know God's grace is available for you. But I also need you to know this. You've got to know it's wrong and be convicted of that sin before that sin can be, can be forgiven. You need to be shameful about things that are wrong in your life. And as long as we are prideful about our sin, I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen. And let me tell you what I see in our world today. I see people who are not shameful because of sin. They don't blush because of sin. They're proud of their sin. They're proud of their immorality. Dr. Adrian Rogers said years ago, he said the sin that used to slink down back alleys now struts down Main Street. And I'm telling you, that's the truth. Just last week, we saw a major A-list Hollywood actor. He pretty much admitted to being a pedophile. But because he had, uh, y'all know Kevin Spacey. You've probably all read the, the news reports or seen it on television. He pretty much admitted um, to molesting a 14-year-old boy. But then come out and said, I'm gay. And so, and let me tell you why he said he's gay. I believe he said it because he knew that would, uh, uh, that would gain him some sympathy for what he had done in his past. That's the world we live in. Because now the homosexual lifestyle for the world is the popular in thing. Let me say something to you. It may be popular with the world standard, but it's not popular according to the word of God. It's still wrong. Sin's still sin. But let me say this also. Listen, any kind of sexual immorality is sin. We, we all want to pick and choose which sin we're really against. But let me say something. We usually pick and choose those sins that are different from our sins. But sexual immorality is wrong in any case, whether it be in a heterosexual relationship or a homosexual relationship. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4 that the marital bed is undefiled. That means sexual relationships in anything other than the, in the confines of marriage, God says is wrong. So if you're living in a, 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 with a, a person in a sexual relationship and you're not married, God says that's fornication. And so we've got to be against what God's against. I'm all for being for what God's for, but we must be against what God's against <coughs> as well if we're going to be what God wants us to be. Realizing all the time, we all need God's grace. And that's the good thing about God. Forgiveness is available for all those who seek it. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Jeremiah chapter 6. 
This is not a new thing that men are proud of their sin instead of being shamed by their sin. That was true in Jeremiah's day as well. Jeremiah chapter 6. And look down with me, please, at verse number 15. Jeremiah asked a question. He says, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? He says, nay, they were not all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fail among them that fall. At the time when I visit them, they were cast down, saith the Lord. Jeremiah asked the question, were they ashamed at the sin they were living in? He said, no, they wouldn't even blush at it. I've heard it said before, maybe you have too, that man is the only animal that can blush and man is the only animal that needs to. <laughs> and from time to time, we need to. We're to be shamed by the lifestyle that is unpleasing unto God. And because we're not, that shows us we're not adhering to the standard of Scripture. He says, chambering in wantonness, sexual immorality and not being shamed by it, but then he says also something else, strife and envy. Strife and envy. Strife means a desire for power, and envy means uh, you're jealous of what someone else has. Now, folks, let me ask you this. Do you, have you ever seen this in the world today, that there are a lot of people that are so hungry for power, they will do anything to get it? They will cheat, lie, steal. Listen, it don't matter who they got to step on on their way up the ladder. If they're going to be successful and gain power in this life, they'll do whatever's necessary because they're so envious of the power that someone else has. You see it in the workplace. You see it in the corporate world. You see it everywhere today. That's the condition of the world that we live in. Now the Apostle Paul is saying this, as the people of God, we are to cast all these things off. That's not what God wants or has for us. And as long as we are sleeping saints, slumbering in the pew, we'll never be what God wants us to be. He says, wake up. Clean up. But then he says something else. And this is the most important one. He says, suit up. Look what he says here. I love this. Romans chapter 11. Excuse me, chapter 13. <clears throat> and look down at verse number 14. He says, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's saying that we are to put Jesus on like we put a suit of clothes on. Now, just yesterday morning, my wife got up and she got ready and she had put on a new suit of clothes. That's the first thing I noticed when she walked in the room. I said, honey, you look nice. And, that, and um, that's really, I think, what Paul is talking about here. He's saying the first thing you notice about someone a lot of times is what they have on. And so he says, for the believer... We are to put Jesus on so the first thing people notice in our home is that we, we're walking and we're living in a way that's pleasing unto Christ. We're to put Jesus on so the first thing that people notice at our workplace is that we are walking and living in a way that's pleasing unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to put Jesus on at the church so that the first thing people might notice 
is that we're walking and living in a way that's pleasing unto Jesus. We're to put Jesus on at the ball game so that, well, listen, they'll know that we're walking and living in a way that's pleasing unto Jesus. And he says, put Jesus on and leave him on. Can you say amen? As a believer, we don't put him on on Sunday and take him off on Monday. So many times we want to separate the spiritual from the secular. We'll be spiritual on Sunday, but we'll go out and do our own thing on Monday. Not so. That's not at all what Paul tells us to do, what the Bible tells us to do. He says put him on on Sunday, but guess what? Put him on on Monday too. That wherever you go and whatever you do, people might see Christ at work in your life, working in you, working on you, and working through you. Put on Jesus. We've got to suit up. Listen how he addresses Christ though here. I love this part. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ. Does everybody see that? He uses three proper names for Jesus. He first of all says, Lord. He says, Jesus. And then he says, Christ. And what does that mean for us? Well, when he says, Lord, really what he's saying is Master. How many of you understand that whenever I gave my heart to Jesus, whenever I trusted in him as my Savior, that now the Bible says my life is no longer my own. That he is now my master. Paul said, I am a slave of Christ. And I want you to know if you're a believer this morning, you are too. A slave does what his master says he ought to do. A slave says what his master says he ought to say. A slave goes where his master says he ought to go. And so when we're talking about Lord, we're meaning that Jesus is master. That means he gives us direction in our lives. But not only does he say Lord, he says Jesus. And Jesus means Savior. It means Jehovah who saves. Now how many of you know, folks, it is through Christ that we are saved from the bondage of sin. We are set free. He is our Savior. He saved us from the wrath of God. So Jesus, our Savior, means one who has delivered us. It's deliverance. Then he says something else. He says Christ. And when he says Christ, listen to me now, he's talking about the sovereign. The one who has complete control of all things. And that speaks of the dominion. The child of God has over all the works of darkness. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 4, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Jesus, because he is our Lord, gives us direction. Jesus, because he's our Savior, listen, he gives us deliverance. Jesus, because he is the sovereign God of the universe, he gives us dominion over all the, the attacks and the, and, and the um, works of the enemy. Folks, listen to me. Put Jesus on. Wake up. Get busy. It's time for us to be what God has called us to be. I want Mount Zion Baptist Church to make a difference in this community, but guess what? That starts with me. And that starts with you individually making the commitment that I'm going to put Jesus on every day. I want, to, I want to allow him to lead God and direct me in everything I do. He is my Lord, and I'm going to do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. Everybody stand this morning.
If you look at our world, it's easy to see we're in a mess. And if anything's going to change, it has to be by the power of God. And I want you to know God works in and through His people to accomplish His purpose in this world. And so folks, it's up to me and you to be what God wants us to be. And that's why Paul said, wake up. Wake up. And it's time as believers that we awake out of our sleep and be about the business God saved us to be about. Now, if you're here this morning and you've not yet met Christ, let me say this. First and foremost, you need to trust Him. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I'm going to tell you God's grace is enough to save you. You say, Brother, how do you know that? You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. No, I don't, but I know where I've been. I know what I've done. And if God can save me by His grace, He can save anybody here. I promise you that. He's able. And He's willing. And so today, if you need to be born again, today's the day of salvation. Don't wait. Like we said before, our life is but a vapor. You never know how long you've got. Make the decision today to follow Christ. Trust in Him. If you're here and you're already a believer, but you say, brother, there's some things in my life that I need to cast off. I need to clean up. Guess what? I got good news. The same grace that saved you is the grace that is sufficient for you daily. Before I ever come out here to preach this message to you this morning, I had to get on my face and get some things right with the Lord. Folks, listen. God's grace is enough for you, believer. Today, get right. Whatever's wrong, by the grace of God, confess your sins to Him. The Bible says He'll forgive you and then be about the business of the Lord. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. If that's you today, you come. Maybe you're here this morning and you've prayed about it and this is where God wants you to serve. You want to join this church. You come. You need to be baptized today. You've been saved, but you've never been baptized. You've never followed uh, in, in believers' baptism. Listen, if you need to do that this morning, you come. Whatever you need today, God is able. He's here this morning. He's willing to do for you what you need done. He's willing and He's able. You come this morning if you need Jesus in any way.